guys, welcome to Is That Like a Thing podcast, where we ask the question, is that like a thing? The answer is always going to be yes, and we're most definitely going to talk about it. Really, really excited because Emily, our producer, is going to be leading today because we have a very special guest with us today that is a very dear friend of hers. And Emily, tell us about your friend and introduce her. Hey, y'all. I'm so excited that today we have our first guest ever Yay. in the history of our podcast and it's my friend Kelly Needham and she's amazing and let me tell you the first time I met Kelly we were at a wedding and we walk into the reception together really just barely getting to know one another and I stepped on gum and she literally she, she literally like got on her knees and helped scrape it off the bottom of my shoe and I was like wow what a friend that was just my introduction to her and um (laughs) crystal actually knows her husband she has a little story to tell so the time that i met jimmy needham which is an amazing christian artist he's he's wonderful and also an incredible speaker but we were at this event out i don't know if we were in arkansas or some land of texas that i've never been in before (laughs) and we got out and what looked like to be someone's yard to do a festival. (laughs) I don't know exactly where we were, but (laughs) we were doing sound checks and Jimmy came in and we were so excited to hear Jimmy's sound check because he's just incredible. And so we get done with our sound check. Jimmy is up on the stage setting up his guitar and everything. And he goes to jump down off the stage. And when he does, he thinks that this flight case is part of the stage and he jumps on it and it's empty. So there's nothing holding it down. The flight case and Jimmy fall down and then uh, uh, a, a ripping of his pants happened. <laughs> okay, and it just rips clean up the backside. Okay. And, and we knew he was hurting like he was really in pain so we move him to inside this house and all of us know no one (laughs) all of a sudden these sweet little older ladies are trying to really spiritualize this while Jimmy is in a lot of pain and his pants are ripped in front of these older sweet (laughs) women that proceed to pray over him (laughs) yeah and really, and he's just sitting here rocking back and forth. His eyes are big. I know he's like, can I get a courtesy cloth or a, a towel or something here? And he was just so sweet. But he ended up going to the ER and he did something to his knee or I don't know. But it was it was a hilarious moment. So Kelly, I definitely feel yes. bonded with you because of that story. <laughs> Hey, not many people know that story, and that is a strong bond because that's an epic story that we will never forget in the Needham home. (laughs) Never. Well, we just want to say thank you, Kelly, for um, coming on this podcast with us. And um, the first thing I wanted to mention was just this beautiful, wonderful book that you have written called Friend-ish. And that's what we're talking about today is friendships. And we'd just love to know your heart of, you know, what made you want to write a book on friendships and godly friendships? Um, I wrote this book because I love friendship and I am who I am today because of friends in my life. I am a product of really great friendships. And so it matters to me. And then secondarily, um, I started to see a lot of friendships around me that were just not, um, not quite the real thing. Um, and I, I really wanted to pass on a a beautiful vision for what gospel informed friendship looks like, um, because it's so important to me. So that's really the heart behind it. Okay, Kelly. So 
I am so excited to dive into your um, book. There are many chapters, I was looking at it last night, there are many chapters that I wanted just to skip right to. Um, but my question is, when you are when you said that you were looking around and seeing a lot of friendships that were not like the real thing, what do you mean by that? And how did you root that out? Was that something in your life, like your friendships, or did you just see other people's friendships like that? Um, it, it started with um, actually some younger women that I was mentoring, and so they were processing their own relational experiences and friendship with me and the outside looked really good um they were going to bible studies together and they were praying together and they were you know whether they were roommates or just friends through classes or churches um there were a lot of the external things were there but um i was hearing about a lot of jealousy and envy in these friendships um just a lot of um just unhealthy things that were growing out of it, little weeds of, of uh, what I would say are not good fruits of friendship and a lot of neediness, a lot of um, I'm in this friendship because I need something um, desperately versus I'm in this friendship because I, I care about this other person and I want to um, be generous to them. I want to fight for them, not just for myself. So I, it just, I was hard to figure out. So that's really where the, the idea for the book came from is I remember asking myself, these friendships look really good on the outside, but things feel off. Um, the, the essence of what I think friendship is, which is I'm for you, um, even if it's at an expense to myself, I'm going to sacrificially love you, was missing. Um, and so I started to look into that. And, and then I started, of course, to see some of those things in my own life the more I studied it, but um, really looking into the scriptures and going, what is what is the Bible have to say about friendship and how does the fact that I have Jesus as a friend now um, through the gospel, how does that change um, how I actually do this thing called friendship? Hey, Kelly, so your book is divided into two parts. Um, one is the first part, which you're talking about what you call counterfeit friendships, which is this kind of imposter syndrome of what looks good on the outside, but on the inside is not super um what you call gospel informed, which I love that term too. And then the second part is kind of coming out of that. So this episode, we're going to talk about the counterfeit friendships and how to identify what they are and how to move forward from that. So would you mind telling us what the counterfeit friendships are and how to identify them? Sure. Um, the two biggest counterfeit friendships that I face in my own life. And I think most people face, um, I call them friendship that replaces Jesus, um, and selfish friendship, mm. <laughs> uh, friendship that's founded on selfishness. Um, so friendship that replaces Jesus is just anytime I'm looking to a friend or a group of friends for things that I should only be finding in my relationship with God. Um, that has many varieties, but uh, those deep soul level aches, when I look toward a friend for that and not to Christ, uh, that's a problem. It's, the Bible calls it idolatry, um, but it's easy to look to our friends for that because we can see them. So that's the first one. And then the second one is just friendship that's driven by our own needs, um, our own selfish desires over uh, friendship that's driven to uh, bless and serve the other person. So those That's are the really two good. biggest uh, counterfeits that I, I see in our lives and that I face in my own life. So Kelly, can I ask you something? This is Megan, by the way. Hi. Um, hey, Megan. <laughs> okay. So can you identify for us what what is a selfish friendship? I mean, you say 
Okay, so let's narrow. Let's. I want to like zone, zone, zoom down for me, because <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> this might be you me. You're... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just say, in all honesty, I feel like I don't necessarily know if I'm a selfish friend in the sense that I'm in a friendship for my benefit. Like, I love m- my friends in this room because they help me understand Jesus better, be more like Jesus. Like when I'm in the wrong, they're okay with telling me I'm in the wrong. And I love that and I value that. But I would say that I'm not the best friend. Like I'm absent or I'm not available as available as I should be or I'm not as like, I don't necessarily think, like Crystal's always like, oh, I'm gonna bring them some food. And I'm like, oh wait, I could bring them some food. Didn't even think about that, you know? like. And so I guess what I'm saying is, how do you identify in yourself if you are that? What, if and, you're the selfish friend? And by that, like, I mean, both a selfish friend and then both a friend that's just not, not being the friend Jesus has called us to be. Like, what are those friends? What do they look like? Help me. Um, well, uh, what's so challenging about friendship. And I think what was challenging about writing this book is, um, friendship does look different in so many of our lives because of our wirings and also our seasons of life and what country we live in. And if we're married or single, if we have kids or not. So, um, I, what's hard about this question and what was challenging about writing this book is it's not going to look the same all the time and that's okay. Um, but there are a lot of our issues are in the motivation is in the why we do what we do. Um, and we can be really generous friends and be doing it entirely to get our foot in the right door that makes us feel important. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to, Oh, the important people are in the room. And I dealt with this all the time, traveling with Jimmy and the music world. It's like, Oh, the cool people are in the green room. I'm going to go be nice to them. But Hey, the caterers are right out here and they probably could use someone to say hello to them, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to befriend them because they can't do anything for me. If that makes sense. Now you're, we're usually not that honest with ourselves, but I think we're all prone to that. And that's a expression of I'm going to be generous but my motivation is actually, this benefits me. Um, this is ultimately me setting myself up um, for whatever thing it is I might happen to be after in that, in that moment. Um, sometimes what we're doing is fighting for friend security. Um, we don't want to ever be left in a place of loneliness where we have no friend, so we're gonna make sure we like have enough friends on call, like I'm gonna build these friendships so that I'm never without somebody um, to call on. And I, I think there are legitimate needs in friendship, and I know we'll, we'll talk about that uh, next time, but um, ultimately when we're entering friendship um, driven by what I want and what I need, um, that's not real friendship. Uh, real friendship is I care about you, I'm for you, and how can I serve you and bless you, um, not myself. Um, and you do need things out of friendship, but I think at its, at its essence, it's coming with generosity and the motive toward the other person, not just toward ourselves. And sometimes we don't see those things until, um, something happens, you know, the friendship gets disrupted in some way. My friend who I, I really depend on is moving or getting a new job or getting married if I'm still single. And all of a sudden I'm not cool with that change happening in their life. And that's sometimes how we find out that, you know, we weren't motivated always by generosity toward them and being for them because when something like that's happening in their life, we're mad about it now. So it, I think sometimes it, it circumstantially we find out um, those problems in our, our life when things are changing. And friendships are always kind of shifting, aren't they, as our lives shift and 
um, that's often what exposes it for me is those shifting. So I think that's so interesting that you say that is that it's basically you don't really even realize that you're doing this or it's this kind of friendship until say you're single and your your only other single friend is about to be engaged or just got engaged and then all of a sudden you are in a tailspin a little bit or I think that that's because my real question for you was okay so how do we know if we are this person and I think that your answer is it happens when things get disrupted or a lot of times it's revealed when something gets disrupted where it's like you think you're best friends until something happens something explodes in your world and you realize oh wow they've been talking about me for 12 years or whatever it is or my my single friend is now getting married oh what am I going to do I'm going to be all alone now and so I think that that's a very valuable thing for our self-awareness part of it of like because I'm like how do we know what if we just walk this earth like not knowing Mm -hmm. we're that selfish friend. Well, I think that it's interesting because I've had to deal with, I've been the selfish friend and I've had to ask God to kind of reveal that in me because I have, I have my first phone call friend, right? And we don't like to use the word best friends because it makes other people feel bad, you know, but you have that friend that's your first phone call every time something happens and that's okay. But when they start getting other friends that are close friends and bringing their own, you know, they have their own inner circle of friends and you start to feel a little jealous, like Kelly was saying, there's some jealousy there. I have to examine where that's coming from and why that's there, because that's not it's okay for people to have other friends. Right. And I don't know. I think that's an important thing for us to model for our kids and for us to root out in our own lives, which is not always easy. Have you had to root that out in your own life, Kelly? And what does that look like? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. Um, I think, you know, what I, sometimes when I talk to people about even this book and this content, they're like, oh, you must've figured all this out and you don't struggle anymore. I'm like, no, I absolutely do struggle with these things, but I just now have the tools um, to deal with them right when they happen, you know? And so one example of that is when we first moved from the Houston area to Dallas, um, you know, it's like starting over in friendship. Um, and I met one friend named Liz and we started doing Bible study together, which was such a gift to me. I was so thankful for that. And I texted her one day and said, Hey, you know, do you want to hang out? Like get our kids together. And her response was, uh, well, I can't today because I'm spending time with a different friend. Um, and it wasn't weird. She was just like, Oh, I'm hanging out with so-and-so, which was somebody I also knew. And immediately I was like, Oh no, I forgot I'm the new friend. Like these all, these people have all known each other. I'm actually not that important. And it really bothered me. And I felt really insecure and thrown by that. It just threw off my sense of sure footing, if that makes sense. And I knew that was wrong. It's like, that's, this is not okay. And, um, in that moment, I remember, um, I got the text in my kitchen. <laughs> and so I got down on my knees in my kitchen and I was like, God, I, I am like super depending right now on this friendship to stabilize me and make me feel like I've got stability and significance. Somebody, you know, in this space that, you know, I know she cares about me. It wasn't, you know, she didn't do anything wrong, but like, help me Lord. And I remember praying for their time together. God, please, would you give them a fruitful time together? Like I want to be for their friendship and I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to in faith, try and be, um, to root out this thing in me that's 
getting really clingy and needy around this friendship. And I have to do that fairly regularly as things happen, as a friend moves or as things shift in their life or two of my friends start to get to know each other better. Yes, and it's like, yes. whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. Uh, I'm your friend, I'm your friend, but you guys can't be friends because what if you oh, like each other better than me, Ooh. you know? And mm -hmm. those things come up for all of us. It's very normal. Um, and I think that's why these two counterfeits are so tied together is it's exposing ways that we're depending on our friends in ways that only Christ should be mm -hmm. that for us. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we need them more than we need Jesus, we start to be selfish with it. I need, I need this, so now I'm going to fight um, to keep that in my life in a way that's unhealthy. I wonder if whenever these things happen, it's the Lord reminding us that we it, we can so easily, even believers who love the Lord and who spend time with the Lord, can so easily replace Jesus mm -hmm. with these one-on-one -on -one horizontal friendships. And you don't realize you're doing it until that happens. You know, the play date, mm -hmm. but y'all weren't invited to the play date. Or, or mm -hmm. you introduced your other friend to another friend and now they're really good friends. It's like those moments that, the disruption moments, it's mm -hmm. those moments that reveal, oh, our heart, <laughs> our real yeah. motives, our intentions, whatever it is. Um, I think it's interesting though that you, to me, those are the moments that would show me, oh wait, just like you getting down on your knees in the kitchen. Oh wait, no Lord, like, Mm -hmm. truly you are all I need you mm -hmm. do fill me in a way that no other relationship will be able to you give me encouragement and hope I will never be able to find with anyone else but it's like saying it is one thing living it is a totally mm. different yes Megan I was yesterday when we were talking about <clears throat> just getting ready for this that first bullet point says friendship that replaces Jesus mm -hmm. and the more I thought about it throughout the day as we were getting ready, I was like, I just don't like that thought. I just want my friends to be my friends and Jesus to be Jesus. And I just remember singing worship songs, you know, years ago that I'm a friend of God. That song always bothered me, <laughs> probably because it was so convicting. And I, I just am didn't... a friend of God. <laughs> but with the hand language. Exactly. Hand, yeah. Oh, hand, yeah. Hand. And the full oh. choir. Motions. Hand, oh, Kelly, she days. sings on every podcast. Yeah. She, she, finds, she finds a moment to <laughs> put a lyric are, in. And we are blessed. too. That's just... How well, that was the perfect song. <laughs> so Kelly, though, I really did have that song in my head and I wanted to know, like, how do you develop a deep friendship? Like the, the friendship part with Jesus that is fulfilling and should be and can be more fulfilling than our friendships with people. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the foundation of healthy friendship, by the way, is, is fighting for that friendship first. And um, I think for me, what's key, I could say a lot of things right there about, oh yeah, you, you need to be reading the Bible and praying. Of course, absolutely. Those are the main railroad tracks that my friendship with God runs on. But I think what's made the biggest difference in helping me fight for friendship with Christ is embracing the costs that come with knowing him. Um, because they're different than the costs that come with knowing a friend. So if you want to know God deeper, it's going to expose you. It's going to expose your, your flesh. That's just by nature what happens when you draw close to holiness. And that's not fun. That doesn't happen with a friend because they can't see your heart. And so drawing closer to the Lord is always going to expose you. And that's to heal you. It's not a bad thing, but it's still not fun. Um, knowing Jesus is going to cost you patience. 
because it's a little more, the friendship develops a little more like uh, it would through writing letters than through a phone conversation. I pray, I ask him a question, I'm talking to him about something, and I have to come back and check the mailbox, so to speak, in my prayer life. Lord, I'm waiting for that response today. I'm waiting for that response. And he does respond, absolutely, every time, but it's not quite as immediate as a friend. And so I have to be willing to embrace the cost of my patience and then embracing the cost of faith that I know him through faith, not sight right now, which means um, though his relationship with me is as real um, and in some ways more real than my friends, I'm not, I'm not enjoying it with my eyeballs and my ears. Um, I'm enjoying it in, in a just as real way, but different. And I think that's why we're tempted to look to friends instead of him, because we don't have any of those costs with our earthly friendships or our marriages or our kids, any other relationship. We can see them. They don't see our messy hearts right away and they respond immediately. And it's so tempting to go there for uh, our relational or deep relational needs. Um, but to me, embracing those costs, going, I, I want to know you, Jesus, even if it costs all those things, has really helped me to endure uh, and and fight for that, for a depth of, of friendship with him that's really been life-changing and um, for my friendships, for my own heart, for my marriage, for everything. So you think one of the key ingredients in why we don't pursue Jesus as a friend, sometimes in the way that we can or should, or would be most fulfilling is because he just like won't text us back immediately. <laughs> Seriously. Ghosted. Yeah. We just, so I it's mean, like, oh a, my gosh. An impatience thing. Sometimes you do feel ghosted by the Lord, don't you? <laughs> no, right? for real. For, for real. real. Like even, yeah. I was listening to a Craig Rochelle podcast yesterday while I was gardening. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but he's saying when the, when the pandemic started, the scariest part was I did not feel the Lord's nearness. Mm. And that scared me. And what the Lord taught me is that I have everything I need to continue to follow him, even when I don't feel his yeah. nearness. But I do think that, yeah, there are moments where you're just you like, you don't like, feel the hey, Lord's nearness. And you're like, God, are you ghosting me? Like, where are you? <laughs> I do this to people, but you can't do this to people. Like, where's that in the scriptures? I think that that's interesting in terms of friendship, though, because just as we might feel ghosted by the Lord and feel a little bit of a dryness yeah. there, we have to make that choice to still pursue him in friendship, right? Mm. And I think that when we are, when we have unselfish friendships here on earth, when we don't feel near to those people, we can still make that choice to pursue them as well. You know, Absolutely. just, I mean... Not in an unhealthy way, but just a, I might not be feeling close to you or I might not be feeling the love from you, but I'm going to choose to still pursue this friendship in a godly way. So I was just thinking as we were talking, like the open handedness and the patience that we need with our friends can only develop, like you only get patience by being patient. And it's like. I just wonder if us needing to be patient in our communion with the Lord and hearing back from him, like informs our friendships on earth because we have to be open-handed with how the Lord responds to us and be willing to wait on him in a way. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that, that um, as we're developing friendship with Christ, the things we're getting and learning um, in that relationship do trickle down into our other ones. Um, and ultimately, I think when we are willing to be patient with the Lord, 
and wait for his response that we have a, we, we are waiting on him. We're not just praying and then going, okay, if you don't respond right away, I'm out. Like, I actually want to hear your response. I'm, I'm waiting on you as the Psalms say, like those who wait on the Lord won't be put to shame. Um, when he responds and we start to get the back and forth going in our relationship with him, um, that's what really allows me to keep my friends open-handed ultimately. Um, because Jesus in a real way is a friend to me in my day to day, not theoretically, but tangibly real. It's like, Oh no, last week I asked him for this. I asked for clarity on this and it took a week or two of just praying and waiting. But then he responded clearly, specifically in my circumstances, through a person, through the word. And so when that feels really real and tangible, um, it helps, it stabilizes me and helps me to be open-handed with the shifts and changing happening in my friends. Uh, because ultimately I do have my BFF in Christ and I feel secure with him. And it, it just allows me to, to be open-handed and not so clingy. Um, doesn't make it not hard and, and not that there's grief in some of those changes, but it enables me to do it um, as I'm willing to wait on him and hear from him. I I love what you're saying, Kelly, because um, that is something that has always been something I've noticed. Um, gosh, I'm 42, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't remember if I'm 42 <laughs> or 43. But um, all these years, um, that was something we kind of talked about and touched on a little bit yesterday was that that open-handedness, hand, it allows um, for God to bring new friendships in our lives. And even sometimes mm -hmm. as hard as it can be to let go of mm -hmm. seasonal friends. And do you, like, can you speak into that? Like, and, and maybe give people some comfort that maybe they're having some trouble, um, with letting a friendship go that it just might be a season that you're done with, you know, like, and walking through that friendship that's close with one person and that God is trying to bring something new to you that I think that for some of us, it gets really hard to let go. Yeah. Well, one thing that's actually helped me is the reminder that, um, not liking seasonal friendships is a very modern invention <laughs> because it's only because of technology that we even have the option to refuse to let a friendship be seasonal. Ooh, um, wow. you know, that is interesting. Ooh. I'm sorry, can you say that again? <laughs> That's good. Say that again. It's only because of modern technology that we're even able to refuse to let a friendship be seasonal. Wow. Um, when I talked to my mom about her experience in high school, it's like yeah. she, she left high school, said goodbye, and went to nursing school in a different place. Oh. The option was not there to keep those friendships up because there's no cell phones. There's no internet, there's no Facebook. And so we were, for, seasonal friendship was a very normal experience. Um, we were forced to have friendships based solely on proximity, where you live. And I actually think that's really important and healthy, but mm -hmm. now we have to make the choice to do it. Wow. We have to make the choice to go, I'm a limited person, I can't have a hundred friends. And if I move or if I change seasons of life or my friend does, and I was single and now I'm married, or my friend was single and now she's married, their relational capacity is changing, mine's changing, and we do, we have to let some friendships go. It doesn't yeah. mean you ignore wow. them and cut them out, but it does mean yeah. that the way you enjoyed the, your friendship um, might not be possible anymore. And one of the ways that I, it helps me do that is I remind myself 
I'm no, I'm no longer, it's not like I'm not that person's friend anymore. Um, but my friendship to them looks like letting them go right now. My yeah. friendship toward them looks like being for them in this new season. And when I think about them, I'm not going to call them up and ask to talk for two hours because they don't have time for that. And I don't, I'm going to pray for them right now. I'm still going right. to be their friend from afar. I'm still going to be a friend even from where I'm at, but maybe not enjoying the friendship the same way. And, yeah. and that helps me because I want to be a good friend, you know? I don't want to just lose yeah. all my friends, but I just have to be willing to embrace um, the new ways that that looks in different seasons. That is so freeing because, mm-hmm. I mean, you really do feel... I, I, when you first said that, it really flew over my head. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I didn't understand it even because I'm probably the least intelligent of this group. They're all so smart. But until you started explaining your mom and how she would go off and there's mm-hmm. no technology like you just it is what it is. And we've all we all accept that that is honestly a weight that is truly lifted mm-hmm. off of my shoulders once you said that, because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, we are not required to keep every close and good friendship, a close and good fr- friendship for the rest of our days. We actually Absolutely. can allow friendships to be what they actually are, which is based largely on location, interest, Mm -hmm. seasons of life, all of these things. And when those things change and the friendship changes, we don't need to go into a tailspin of why the friendship is changing. It's Mm. changing. Mm -hmm. And that's the Mm -hmm. reality of life. And that's the reality of friendship. And that's all okay. That's really good. I think that's really good. And I'm, I'm excited. Um, we're going to actually have Kelly on for a two part discussion. And so, um, before we kind of close out today, one, I'm excited because our next one, we're going to talk about redefining friendship and doing it from a gospel informed way, which I, we love that word. It's our new favorite, (laughs) just (laughs) so you know. And so I love that we are going to be talking about redefining. And I love that we talked and touched on social media because I want to talk a little bit about social media friends (laughs) a little and the difference and how some the lines have become so blurry. Yeah. Um, And so I cannot wait to talk about those things with you. I'm so glad that you've written this book that is helping people go deeper in their relationships. It's Mm -hmm. so important. But please, before we get out of here today, can you tell people where they can find your book and how they can find you and get to know you? Yeah. Um, Well, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. I can't always promise I'm going to be present and responding very much, but there is content there. Um, But most of what I do is on my website, kellyneedham.com, and you'll actually find a lot of videos and interviews I did with my own friends um, on there uh, when this book released. Uh, You can get Friendish uh, on Amazon, which is where most of us buy books nowadays, but um, it should be in a lot of local bookstores too, or you know, can get on Kindle, so all those places. Awesome. So Kelly Needham, Friendish, you got to go get that book. And uh, thank you guys so much. And thank you, Kelly, for being with us today. I can't wait to have our next conversation. And we hope that you are blessed and and for taking time to share with us. Yeah, it's great. I'm excited about next time.